Bible, turn to the book of Isaiah. Just anywhere in Isaiah will be fine. Because I'm going to do a survey of the entire book of Isaiah within 30 minutes. If you believe that, I'm going to do my best. But I, I really, as a young Christian, about I got right with God at 18 years old. At 18 years old, on an LSD trip, uh, seeing all kinds of demons and all hearing all kinds of weird stuff, uh, God brought me to the end of myself. And I cried out from my bedroom on 2003 Kesapa Street and said, God, if you'll remove these demons and things from me, I will do whatever you want me to do. Now, you can say that's foxhole conversion, but at 65, I think it was real. I mean, I, you know what I mean? I think it was real. Uh, some people do that. As soon as they get better, they forsake God. I didn't. I didn't. I had been doing all kinds of wicked things. I started getting rid of them one at a time. I knew what I had to get rid of. Let me tell you this. You get converted, the Holy Spirit lets you know what you got to get rid of. People try to act like they're fuzzy on that. You don't have to be fuzzy on that. I knew I smoked. I smoked Marlboro, 35 cents a pack. And I knew I had to get rid of them. My wife smoked Winston. And I knew, you know, opposites attract. And uh, she had to quit. And she lied to me a few times, said me she quit. She didn't. But I mean, you know it was okay. God forgave her. And uh, we both, uh, a couple of sinners, wicked young people, uh, had doing drugs and all kinds of stupid stuff. We had to, I knew God had to just wash that all out. And let me tell you, it's painful as that stuff comes away. But what a joy to be clean under the blood of Christ. Whoa, what a joy. My conscience came back to me. And God, through the blood of Jesus, allowed it to be clean again. And got rid of all that stuff. Beautiful. But I, I began to, in, when I went to Bob Jones University, I, I uh, did a lot of soul winning during that time. Did a lot of jail ministry. And in that time, I developed, which is not new, but is the gospel according to Isaiah. In the nursing home ministry I did for a number of years, I would meet Jewish women, old Jewish women. And they didn't want to go to the New Testament. You start Telling a Jewish woman right away in the New Testament, they don't, you know, they don't hold a lot of credibility in the New Testament. But I said, well, hey, you remember the prophet Isaiah? Well, that's one of their, woo, that's one of their number one prophets. I say, well, what if I just never went out of the book of Isaiah? They say, okay, okay, well, we'll go into the book of Isaiah. And I led a few of those old Jewish women to Christ, the oldest one that led to Christ. By the way, she prayed on her own and said, I accept Jesus Christ as my Messiah. It was a sweet prayer, 85-year-old woman. I believe I'll see that woman in heaven someday. Uh, there's fruit in the nursing home ministry. Let me tell you, those people are right on the edge of eternity. How much more important is it for us to be there to say, hey, this is the way. This is the way. Walk in it. Come to Jesus. Isaiah is a 23rd book of 66 books of the Bible. It has 1,292 verses, 37,044 words. It is the first of 17 prophetic books uh, in the Old Testament. It is the first of the five major prophets in the Old Testament. Isaiah has been called the micro-Bible. It has 66 chapters, just like the Bible has 66 books. 
is divided up very similar to our Old Testament, New Testament. Old Testament has 39 books. New Testament has 27 books. Uh, it's divided up about that way. The first 39 chapters of Isaiah deal pretty much with the judgment of God on a rebellious and sinful people. And I'll have to say the majority of the Old Testament is God's people under judgment. And in, all going from the Garden of Eden all the way down through the prophets, it just seems like the people of a people that wouldn't do the right thing were continually being judged of God. The first 39 chapters, Isaiah is a book of judgment. But the last 27 chapters, Isaiah is really a book of hope and salvation, very similar to the New Testament, which is a book of hope and salvation. And so that's why they call it the micro Bible. Isaiah has been called the messianic, or Isaiah himself has been, been called the messianic prophet. He's been called the Paul of the Old Testament. He's been called the Shakespeare of the prophets for his eloquence in writing. Uh, but I'm going to call it, and the gospel, this morning the title of this is the gospel according to Isaiah. Isaiah prophesied between 740 B.C. and 680 B.C., which means about 60 years of time. That's big, and that's long for most prophets. His message was primarily to the southern two tribes. However, it was to everyone. He predicted Babylon would come some 96 years before Babylon became a world power. You would never be able to know that. God himself have, would have to reveal that. Uh, and, and so what's beautiful about going through the prophecy of the Old Testament is seeing that it's impossible except God was in it. Uh, uh, it's just the things that these prophets say, you, no man could ever do that with any kind of percentage of accuracy, and yet they did because God was in it. The word salvation appears some 26 times in the book of Isaiah. The word Isaiah means Jehovah is salvation. And what's amazing is the gospel is in the book of Isaiah. Though the gospel is a New Testament term, and it's most of the time associated with New Testament. Most people, when they go soul winning, they don't go to the Old Testament. They go to the New Testament and begin to show the verses of the New Testament to, the, to people. Now Jesus came, he died, and I agree with that. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 4, it may be the clearest place of all the New Testament that describes what the gospel is. The word gospel simply means good news. In Spanish, it's buenos nuevos, good news. That's what it means, buenos nuevos. I was just trying to think if that was right or not. I'm winging it now. Iglesia Bautista Nuevas, buenos nuevos. Well, anyway. That means the Gospel Baptist Church in Spanish. Anyway, close to that, okay? Uh, Brother Vicentio helped me out. But 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 is a memory. All you college students in, in Christian colleges, you've got to memorize this. This is going to be on your test. You might as well do it now. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that, Jesus, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Jesus Christ came. He was, he was uh, condemned, crucified. He died, buried, and was raised the third day 
from all of those people before him and after him that said they were the Messiah. Jesus Christ is the only one that's raised from the dead. God the Father said, there's a lot of faults out there, but this is the true. Hear ye him. Hear ye him. The phrase the gospel appears some 86 times in the New Testament alone. It's, it's called the gospel of Christ some 10 times. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of God some seven times. The gospel of the kingdom three times. The gospel of the grace of God. The gospel of his son. The gospel of peace some two times. One would not think of the gospel in the Old Testament, but indeed it is there. And let me start with the invitation to come. Now, I want you to try to turn to these if you can. If you're not familiar with your Bible and it's going to deter your understanding or listening, don't do it. But if you're an old veteran familiar and you can turn, you ought to mark these verses in your Bible. If you can't get them, you can go to iTunes about Wednesday and download the sermon, listen to it or see it on our website, whatever you like. we got a lot of availability there. All of that for free. So Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. We'll start out there. Isaiah 1, 18. It's the invitation to hear the gospel and contemplate what it is. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. How many here have seen snow? Raise your hand. Okay, let's put your hands down. I asked the wrong question. How many here have never seen snow? Raise your hand. Yeah, a few of you. You're not missing anything. Anyway, when we were out west, we were marveling in the middle of July how the, the tops of the mountains were covered with snow. And we went up there to 12,500 feet, and guess what? You can grab it. It's still there. It's not melting. 50-some degrees, it's still not melting. It's just there's so much of it. They call it the permanent snow cap. It never actually melts down. I didn't feel any global warming when I was up there either. <clears throat> though your sins be as scarlet, they should be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they should be as wool. Brother, at my house, our cotton and wool is white. Why? Because I do the laundry. And brother, I put some bleach on that baby. Now, our clothes don't last long at my house, but they are white. Look at I don't have a white shirt on today, or I'd show you. Well, they're so white, you almost have to take them out of the dryer with a set of sunglasses. Who here today, without don't have to answer this in your mind, who here today wants their sins forgiven? Who wants to have peace with God today? Who wants to have a clear conscience today? That's the invitation of Isaiah 118. It's compelling. Come now. Let us reason together. The question is not whether you have sin. You have sin. I'm one of the in soul winning, I've never, I rarely met the person who I had to spend much time on the fact they were a sinner. Most of them are self-condemned. I have met a few old ladies that told me, well, I've never sinned. I tell them right to their face. I look them in the eye, and I say, you just did. They say, oh, what do you mean? Well, you lied to me and told me you never sinned before. Then they get mad at you and throw you out. 
proven it's true. There be no ladies. So the invitation is found in 118. Then in Isaiah 55, yeah, I know that's all the way to the other side. Isaiah 55, 7, that's even an electronic Bible. You just boom, 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 you're there. Isaiah 55, 6, and 7. It's the second point of the gospel, the warning and encouragement. So from Isaiah 118, you go to Isaiah here, 55, 6, and 7. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and you are God, and he will abundantly pardon. What is that? Repentance, folks. That's repentance. A lot of times people think they can believe that Jesus was, was a historical figure, a real historical figure that came and died on the cross, and maybe they even say he was raised from the dead, but they don't repent of their sins. They cannot be saved. Listen, you don't come to Jesus and keep your sins. That's an oxymoron. And if you don't know what that is, see me later. But I mean, that's, that's something that don't mix. Oil and water don't mix. Sin and salvation, brother. When we get saved, we get saved from the power of sin. And you get, it, you get a holy hatred of sin. You don't want to go to bed with it. You want to stay away from it. And how do you know you're saved? Well, well it's a whole other sermon. But how do you know you're saved? Five points. One point is that you get a holy hatred for sin. It ain't your buddy anymore. It's something that's hurting you, something that's hateful, something you want to move away from. The other four points you're going to have to wait for. God will not always be calling on you. Ooh. He's not some servant boy waiting. You just get ready to get saved. He is the creator of all that is and being demonstrated by everything you see around the heavens, declare the glory of God. Firm it showeth forth his handiwork. Everything you ever look at shows that there is a creator God. He has provided for you through Jesus Christ his mercy and pardon for you. I don't think we ought to take that lightly. What about you? I don't think we ought to take that casually. Don't take it. Don't sit here this morning. And say, well, the gospel, I'm not ready yet. I got to sow some wild oats. I want to do some crazy things that I know I can't do if I get saved. And so I'll wait. And when I do all of that stuff, when I'm old and decrepit like the preacher, I'll go ahead and do it. I'll get saved when I'm old. Oh, don't say that. Proverbs, take your Bible. Oh, this is a Bible study this morning. Proverbs chapter 1. This is a Bible study. Genuine preaching Bible study. Proverbs 1.23, let's start there. Proverbs, I made a simple first chapter of Proverbs, you can find it. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Songs of Solomon. Turn ye, turn you at my reproof. You ought to mark this in your Bibles and you ought to review this once in a while. Turn ye at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you, I will make known my words unto you. The word turn ye is repentance. The word repent means to turn or change your mind. There it is again, Old Testament. So it's not a New Testament teaching. It is a Bible teaching. Repentance covers the Old and New Testament. He says, why would you turn? Because I've called and you refuse. I've stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But ye have set at naught all my counsel and would none of my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. 
I will mock when your fear cometh, and it will come. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your desolation cometh as a whirlwind, which is unpredictable, and, and you don't know when it's going to come, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, it's not if, it's a when. Then shall they call upon me, and this is the part you want to do, is double circle. But I will not answer. They shall seek me early. The word early can also be translated diligently. But they shall not find me. God is not on a beck and call servant boy status with you. Brother, when the Holy Spirit of God, under the preaching of the gospel, or somebody telling you the gospel, or you're in your bed at home, and the Holy Spirit of God comes by and begins to convict you of sin, begins to convict you of something, begins to want to manifest himself to you, you better get down beside the bed on your knees and say, Jesus, come. I accept it. Oh, my. Because there'll be a day when I've been to those places where I've been in some tremendously awful, fatal automobile accidents. Been right on the scene when it happened. And I've heard people cry for God, but he's not there. Don't wait till you go to the hospital with the big one. Or you go to the hospital with some other thing going on to cry on God. Cry on God while you're healthy. Cry out to God while you got a good, clear mind. The doc's seen it. A little stroke can happen. You can't cry out to God anymore. You don't even know where you're at. Wow. Well, that's a... That's a that's a serious warning. Sin is dead-ended. There's no peace with sin. Isaiah chapter 57, verse 20, the third point. But the wicked, Isaiah 57, 20, give you a moment to be there. But the wicked are like a troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. You've seen that, haven't you, Nick? That foam. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. There it is. Now, are you going to believe that, or are you going to run after what Hollywood's telling you? Hollywood's telling you, this is the way to live. Eat, drink, we're marry, tomorrow we die. Yeah, they don't seem to do too well, do they? If you've been around very long, you'll hear of them committing suicide. You'll hear of them going in rehab. You'll hear of them uh, divorcing and hating each other and going to court trying to hurt each other. You'll hear, brother, the Hollywood may have everything, but they don't have peace. You say, well, what's peace? Peace is the most valuable commodity you can get a hold of. Because everything you own, if you don't have peace, it's worthless to you. Amen? Somebody say amen, we're going to be here at 2 o'clock. But I mean, peace, like a river, attendeth my way. Oh, to have peace is sweet. But you know what? You really can't have peace without God. There is no peace, saith the Lord of the wicked. There is no peace. That's Isaiah, by the way. Sin is the problem. I like this little poem. I've said it over and over again. I'll say it again. It will take you farther than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. Who would argue that you've not sinned or you've not done wickedly, willfully? Who would argue that you haven't disobeyed your conscience when it said don't do it? Who would argue uh, against... Uh, you have, that you have not broken God's law. Man, when I think of the Ten Commandments, in spirit, I've I broken all of them. In spirit. The Bible said, Jesus said, and, and when he clarified the Ten Commandments and expanded them to where the moral level of them, he said, if you look on a woman, the lust after you committed adultery in your heart, 
I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I don't think there is a red-blooded American man in this auditorium that hasn't committed adultery in your mind. That's a sad case of affairs, isn't it? That's why we need salvation. That's why we need Jesus, brother, because that is a sad case of affairs. You notice I didn't talk about the women. They got other weaknesses, which I won't mention. But brother, have you lost your peace here this morning? How do you sleep? Are you haunted by your guilty conscience? Do you fear death? The Bible says the wicked fear death. I've seen it. I've heard it. Doctors probably seen it. I've been at them automobile accidents, brother, where they were drunk. You could smell the alcohol when you got 10 feet away from the car. They're trapped into this hot car, been all toasted, a burn up. You can hear the crackling of the shorting battery, and you can smell gasoline. Those are two bad things when you're stuck in that car, is to hear the electricity shorting on that battery and smell the gas. And you go up to try to help them and get them out. You're not going to be able to get them out without some sort of mechanism or jaws of life or something. You don't have it. You're the first on the scene. And they begin to cry, save me, save me, help me. And way more severe than what I'm doing. God, help me. I've never seen or heard an atheist in a bad automobile accident. They cry for God. They cry. You can sit here comfortable and say I'm an atheist without pain, and say you're an atheist, but you get in pain, brother. You get, you get locked into a car and smell them, smell that gas and hear that battery, and you're thinking in a moment that thing's going to go, and you're going to be in fried alive, and you're going to all of a sudden get religion. But you won't get salvation. That ain't the time to get saved. The time to get saved is now. Isaiah also says part of the gospel of separation from God is the result of sin. Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59, 2 and 3. Ooh. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. How clear can it be? It's not any clearer in the New Testament than that. That's as clear as anywhere in the Bible. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. I get a kick out of these days of prayer that they declare. Uh, you got somebody that's, that's, that's an unrepentant sinner, has not recognized Christ, their prayer goes no further than the sound of their voice. God has made it clear that he will not hear them. The only prayer God the Father is going to hear is your prayer of repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. But your hands are defiled with blood. Your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, your tongue have muttered perverseness. Have you ever lied? Don't, don't answer. Everybody in this room's lied one way or another. How many people in here have ever fished? Raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. You're all liars. Ain't a fisherman out there hadn't lied. Where'd you go? Well... How big was the fish? Well, how many did you catch? Well, but anyways, you lie. You, you stretch the truth. You don't tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth. You omit sin of omission, sin of commission. We lie. You come to the preacher and 
on the way out saying, that was a good sermon, preacher. You lie. You jump in your car, talk bad about him all the way home. I can't believe he said that. Your iniquities, that's your self-willedness, will separate you from God. Why, you, God cannot let a sinner in heaven? God loves you. He doesn't want you to go to hell. The Bible says hell was made for the devil and his angels. The intention of God was that you would be with him in heaven. But why can't he let you into heaven with your sins? Why? No more than you would invite a thief into a jewelry store unattended. You can't go to heaven any more than you allow a known immoral person to spend the night with your virgin teenage daughter. No more than you would give a pyromaniac a book of matches and a can of gasoline. It's insanity to think that God could allow us as sinners bent on sinning, prone on sinning, committed to sinning in a perfect place without sin. Because as soon as we entered in, we bring sin. People said, um, I'm looking for the perfect church. Well, I'll tell you what, if you was the day you entered in, it'd ruin it. So the conviction there. Why sin would infect heaven. It would destroy all the good in heaven. It would corrupt the purity that's found in heaven. You say, you are a red-faced Baptist preacher talking that you don't have no, oh yeah. Isaiah chapter 26, I left the book Isaiah. Isaiah 26, 10. Let favor be showed to the wicked, yet he will not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness, that's heaven, will he deal unjustly and will not behold the majesty of the Lord. There it is right there. As clear as you can put it. Isaiah 26, 10 says, if you take a sinner without salvation and being cleansed by the blood of Christ and put him in heaven, he ain't even going to worship the Lord. He'll be the, does it surprise you in the millennium, the thousand year when Jesus Christ reigns uh, from Jerusalem and the earth, the curses roll back and the lamb and the wolf fly together and all this other stuff and, and a, a kid plays with a poisonous snake and the snake don't bite him and all so many other things change in a wonderful thing. Woo! Uh, something everybody look forward to. Does it surprise you that when the devil's released at the end of that thousand years that he goes out and he convinces a multitude without number, the Bible says, to come up against Jesus Christ. Men have said for years, if I had a better environment, I'd do better. Men have said for years, my problem is I was raised by a bad family, or I just never got the opportunity to go to church, or I did this or that. And God in the millennium period is going to prove that the environment is not where you get saved, it is in your heart where you get saved. We need a heart transplant, brother, which can only be given to us by Jesus Christ, by faith and repentance in the Lord Jesus Christ. If I may say the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Woo! No amount of good works will undo or wipe away your sins before God. You can try to work your way to heaven. Good luck. You ain't going to make it. I've been, I've, been, I've been around a while. I've called door to door a while. And I've met so many people. I said, if you died, you go to heaven. People say yes. 90% of them say yes. 90% of them. I say, my, my follow-up question is, would you tell me why you should go to heaven? And I get the same answers over and over again. Well, I've tried to do good. You know, I've never murdered anybody. 
I've lied like a dog, but I never murdered anybody. Wow. I'm amazed. I'm amazed. Somehow they think doing good works. I, I helped a couple old ladies across the road whether they wanted to go or not. I mean, I've given to the uh, 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 benefit. I've given to the Humane Society. I have, I've supported PETA. Uh, that's people eating tasty animals. Hey, I'm an NRA member. What do you think? All PETA people are hypocrites. They kill lettuce mercilessly. They ravage carrots. Pillage potatoes. Don't get me going. Isaiah 64, 6. That's our next place to go. No amount of good works will undo and wipe away your sins before God. Isaiah 64, 6. We are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we do all we all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. I can't tell you how many people I miss this morning. I got a whole crowd of people I miss this morning. Don't you preach it? Sweet folk. Love Jesus, repented and got saved. But they're in heaven now. They faded as the leaf. They were strong. They were intelligent. They were able to walk and walk, talk, and they got eventually where they couldn't do all that and finally went to heaven. And I did their funeral. I'm sitting there behind a pole but doing a funeral with somebody I've been with for 15, 20 years and served God with. They fade as a leaf. And guess what? I looked in the mirror today. I hope. I'm fading too. My son came up to me and grabbed my shoulder. When he grabbed my shoulder, I felt him grab again. He said, gee, Dad, you're getting thin. I said, I'm fading as a leaf. And so are you. Oh, he said, no, I'm strong. I said, you won't be. Folks, you may be sitting here strong in your 20s, but I can guarantee you just as, just as real as you're sitting here and listening to me, there'll be a day you'll fade as a leaf. And you'll look around like I am, stunned, <laughs> but clearly warned in Scripture. We do fade as a leaf in our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Name somebody or name something you've done that's good. But the best you've done cannot undo what the sins that you've done. Nothing can undo your sins but the blood of Jesus Christ because it's got to be God's way and God's method. Uh, you, you can't undo. One, one person told me, well, I'm going to start doing good from today on. I said, well, you may be able to do that. You won't be able to do that, but he thought he could. But even if you could do good, never do another sin from today till you die, how are you going to undo them past sins? Because the Bible says that these, we're going to pay for every deed done in the body, whether it be good or bad. You're either going to let Jesus pay for those deeds done in your body, or you are going to pay for those deeds done in your body. And when you stand before God, Jesus Christ, in fact, at that judgment seat, he will not, if you have not allowed him to pay for your sins, he's going to have to separate you off into a place of isolation and containment so that you'll not infect a new heaven and a new earth that's coming. And in places called the lake of fire. And man, I can tell you this morning, I hope nobody with the sound of my voice goes there. 
I spent the majority of my life and the strength of my youth to make sure folks don't go there. <coughs> Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. And turn to that if you don't turn to anything. <coughs> Excuse me. Look at this. Look at this. Look what these girls do for me. I even got a little water under here. I got a little water under here. I'm going to take it. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for whose transgressions? Ours. He was buried for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. In other words, the punishment that we deserve goes on Jesus. And with his stripes, we are healed. The punishment, the stripes we deserve go, went to Jesus Christ. That's called the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ or the vicarious death of Jesus Christ. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. I don't know. If you read the rest of Isaiah chapter 53, there's no clear place in all the Bible. I think all the Bible that describes Jesus Christ the Messiah. I led a Jewish woman to Christ in a nursing home one time by just going to Isaiah 53. And we just kept, I went three weeks and read Isaiah 53 to her. About the third week, I said, who do you think that refers to? She said, well, I've, it, it sounds like Jesus Christ. I said, it is. Why don't you ask him to be your Savior? There's no one else in history who so completely identifies with this. It cannot be anybody else. It must be Jesus Christ. It must be. And I'll end with Isaiah chapter 64, verse 4. Isaiah 64, 4 says, For since the beginning of the world men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, neither hath I seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for them that waited for him. There is a heaven to gain, and there is a hell to shun. And what will it be for you? That's the gospel, according to Isaiah. Will you receive it today? Will you say yes to the gospel of Isaiah today and say, I want to trust in that one that Isaiah 53 describes, which there can be no other one in history that fulfills it like the Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled it. It wasn't an accident. God came as man, walked among us, lived righteously without sin, got on that old rugged cross, was accused of being a criminal, falsely crucified on an old rugged cross, shed his precious blood, and was resurrected the third day, and now offers you and I a free gift of eternal life. Why doesn't everybody say, yes, I want you know you're saved today? Do you know you know you're saved today? These things have I written unto you that you may know that you are the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. Let me say this. If you're a child of God, the Spirit of God will come to you and witness that you're a child of God. Now, being a child of God doesn't mean you don't fail once in a while. doesn't mean you don't have trouble, but it means you get back up. The Bible says the righteous falls seven times and rises up again. But you get back up. Why? You have to. 
the Spirit of God in you will not let you fall and stay there. He's going to convict you and going to help you and going to be with you. Oh, what a Savior is man. Oh, what a Savior is man. We're going to have Jayla come up right now and sing a song for us as we end this service. Now she's sitting there petrified. You never talked to me about that. She's not going to do it, but I wish I'd have thought about it. So we're going to have her sing it pretty soon. Oh, what a Savior is mine. Is he your Savior this morning? Let's bow our head and close our eyes together in prayer. Father, we come in that name above every name, and we ask that you would move in the service today. There may be some among us that they've made professions of faith, they've gone and signed cards, they've gotten even maybe confirmed, they've gone to baptism, but they've never really, they know they're not walking with God. They know He's not in there. The Bible says that, in fact, Paul said twice in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, chapter 6, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost in whom God dwells. Do you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you this morning? Do you know you know? Well, man, if you don't, let's make it sure. There'll be some folks here in the front. Dr. Dr. Crabb will be down here, some other folks. Hey, ladies, if you come, we'll put you with a godly lady in the back, one-to-one, -one, a few minutes. You've got time. You've got time. Make this, make this, nail this thing down. Make sure this morning. Life is too short. Can end it with can end without notice, without warning. Whatever happens, be right with God. Have your sins forgiven through Jesus Christ. Accept the gospel according to Isaiah. Father, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.